<laughs> well, everyone, we are here once again with another episode of the Iron Man podcast, episode 156. Now, to be fair, we're going to read this title and go, that's not the owner of this comic book company. That is true, actually. So I actually know the guy. We're actually friends on Facebook. I, I buy his stuff. I like his stuff. It came in the mail. I know it came in the mail. And I just backed Distant Thunder. It's another book based around the uh, Grok universe, right? That's how or I pronounce it. The Grok universe. And uh, Black Cobra, because, you know, the, they, they, they want to make actual Black characters, not hand-me-down bullshit. You know, they have another Remnant character coming up called Black Cobra, which would be uh, funding on Kickstarter or Indiegogo very, very soon, actually. The Kickstarter actually started on October 25th. Now, this is, we're doing this, this is actually going out today, correct? Yes, Okay, so, so yeah, it started this give morning a, at 9 a.m. I want to give a shout out to Mr. I'm gonna get his name on Facebook because he uh, <laughs> he said, uh, oh, I'm I'm really busy right now, so I'll have one of my uh, writers come on and talk. And I was like, yeah, that's that's fine too. You know, no one is hamstrung into talking to me, even though you know, I don't think I scare people at all, actually. Mr. Bill Raup, uh, creator of the universe, actually doing a good job out there. Hopefully, he's hopefully he's making a killing out there. I, I really do like what he's doing. Honestly, so if he does watch this, shout out to you, man. You're doing a good job. You know, we all can't yeah. be media trained, but it's okay. It's okay. Artists tend to be, you know, introverts <laughs> in their basement drawing characters and writing stories. That's fine too, because I'm gonna. Well, I've been. I don't really go outside myself either. So, uh, but you are one of the writers on just this book, or you've, or you've written many of the other characters as well. Uh, it, it's it's kind of weird to think about, like I'm a freelance writer, so I but I have done a lot of work here with Grunt mm -hmm. Comics. But yeah. of course, you know, at this level, it takes a while for things to get produced. So yeah. I think as of now, there is a, I think, um, Secret Files number six and number five, I think had two page little character bios that I wrote. Mm -hmm. But this is the first like real sequential a story I wrote from beginning to end is uh, is being produced. And on top of that, it just coincidentally ended up being that every single one of the 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 stories in this book are by me. So it's mm. like three separate stories. One is 12 pages, one is five, one is four. And it just happened to be like, he was like, well, we're just going to put it all together and just make a Black Cobra number one. And I was like, okay, which I didn't know at the time, but it right. ended up being the case. Okay, so let's start with your origin story. So how was your life growing up? Uh, I am upper middle class growing <laughs> up kind of <laughs> i was um i'm so i'm a military brat so my father was in the the air force and then so growing up i'm not gonna say we were poor like they took care of us but as i get older and my father you know gets out of the military gets into computer programming you know we we have a better source of income in our you know i did okay i wasn't ever wanting for anything um and then you know, so that was kind of my growing up. I grew up uh, in the 70s and 80s and the early 90s. I get out of high school. So I was there for the comic boom. You know, everybody thinks they're going to be a comic book writer or creators. We had that thing going. And then, of course, by the, you know, reality sets in and you try and break in. And it's not as easy as it makes it seem like. <laughs> Also, I wanted to say this right now to also compliment what you said. Black Cobra literally funded already. He had a five hundred dollar goal. That shit is two thousand dollars. Oh, and there's still like thirty five days to go. 
That's crazy. That I knew right when I bought my first Remnant book, I knew this was already a, a, a big thing he was doing. Because what I was telling people that are like authors or comic book people in the indie space, if you give off an established presence and you can and you obviously have a bit of money that you can save up, that is something that's gonna take you so much further than everyone else because you'll already be as what they call it ahead of the game. Right. So like, why do people go on online and buy stuff? Because, well, especially from established brands, what I've learned over the years is because people feel a sense of security and a sense of, you know, care that this established brand is going to get me my product. That's all it is. It's a sense of, um, hey, I'm trusting you with my money. I'm going to need my product. I'm giving you my money. I mean, I'm going to need my product. If you give off that, that customer uh, comfort, that security, they'll invest into you. And remember, if you cre- and people are saying, but it's not cost a lot of money to have your own website and maintenance. Keep- yes, you ha- but you have to invest money to invest into your company, right? If you don't invest in yourself, then what are you doing actually, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing is I think sometimes I know, you know, I've done some my own kind of thing previously. And it's like, yeah, you have to get to the point where it's either you're going to put some money out there and potentially lose that money. Or you're not going to go anywhere. And I think that's where, um, you know, Bill has taken the time to kind of put a lot of stuff out there. He's Mm -hmm. consistent with everything he's doing. There's always a a Grok comic coming out. There's always Mm -hmm. things happening. And I think that sometimes people are like, well, I'll just put the comic out, you know, once a year. And it's like, right. You're not going to get a following in that way. But I think we also lucked out, you know, I've, Mm -hmm. this is my first big kind of thing, but there's a lot of people out there who have been waiting for something because I've been technically working with, for Grok almost a year. So I've been talking about it for a while. So the moment this thing hit the ground, there's like, everybody's just like, all right, when's it coming out? Let, we're going to fund it. Boom. Yeah. Just kind of Maybe you guys have a new book. Just, you know, hit me up and be like, it's out. And Hey man, I'm there the first day. You Sorry. Know? I realized yeah. my closet's open. Oh, <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. So for anyone who wants to, uh, back black Cobra right now, it's fully funded. So don't, you know, you don't have to worry about you're the last person to get it over the hump. It's, uh, and, and this is the thing I, I like the way, uh, the company does things because what their Kickstarters because they set the goal a little bit low. So I feel like it, ha- it has to be this big exuberant thing. You know, when you set a goal of like $6,000 for your campaign to say, even the people that maybe want to support you go, I don't know if we can even reach that, but how much like we people we have here, you know, and today is also comic book shop Wednesdays. And no, I'm not going to buy Tim Sheridan's green, Alan Scott, green lantern mission. Number one, I I'd actually rather go outside and get a rope and, and tie myself to a, a pole and run into oncoming traffic than buy that walking piece of shit. I'd actually rather buy it and wipe my ass with it. Cause that'll be how much shit it's going to actually be before I read <laughs> something like that. And you know what I did buy? I did. I did actually back distant thunder. See, that's what I use. I use my money because uh, Bill and you yourself, whoever works for the company, not going out there to calling people bigots and racists if they don't buy your products. Because that's just not – because this thing, I thought to myself, you know what, I'll buy it and I'll review it. But that just sends a bad message of like he can just do that. And Because the people prove right, if you buy that, if someone says that, you're still telling them, I could call you any name in the planet. I could treat you like straight shit and I know you're going to send them my product. No, people shouldn't be sending a message like that. The message should be you talk like that, no one buying your shit. That should be the message, honestly. You know, yes. that's like walking up to a girl. You're trying to dangle. Like, hey, what's up, bitch? You fucking slut. Can you come date me? It's like, that's not going to work in most cases. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think the the Flash, the recent movie is a prime example of like, 
Yes. Hey, we 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 spoke with our money by not going to see that movie. And yeah. Ezra Miller's problems with standing, the movie was horrible. Like I went to see it just because I was like, it's bad, I, isn't it? I thought well, it was crazy. I, yeah, I do another. I do a podcast called We Are the Batman. So we also cover mm-hmm. stuff DC, and it's right. like. So we ha- I had to go watch it. But even then it was like, I don't really want to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to be part of the conversation, not thinking it was going to be the just mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> right. I can't I can't believe how bad that movie was. And, and dude, I love Flashpoint. I have the book. I watched the animated movie and I love the Flash. The Flash is one of my favorite superheroes of all time, like easily top five for me. I love Barry Allen. I love Wall- you know, Wally West. I'm. Him, him, uh, love and hate, but I, I love me some Wally West, you know. And I, I, even Jay Garrick, I have some love for Jay Garrick too. And just seeing, like I told people, The Flash is not really a movie you can do unless you actually take your time explaining who this character is. Because it's not that it's The Flash is a problem, it's his history is so convoluted with how the Speed Force works, why they run as fast as they do, why like their villains can somewhat run as fast as they can, but they can also maybe kill them and why they can't. There's even reasons why, well, Thawne can reverse time. And nothing happened, but Barry reverses time, and then you know the the problem of like time travel plus only Barry. There's so many rules to Flash, and so many like reasons why it can't exceptionally work in a movie form. I and that's what I liked about the Flash season one. They said they took their time trying to explain all this stuff, and it worked in this long season, and it was actually really really good. And you're telling me here that the CW back in 2014 respected the Flash more than the live action movie did. People said, oh, but it's a CW show. Yeah, but that CW show also had his main villain in it, too. That movie didn't. The Direct put out an article, I'm pretty sure you remember, before COVID happened, where they told us there wasn't going to be a reverse Flash there. And I was like, no way. They're not going to do the very first live-action Flash without the reverse Flash. Because that'd be stupid, right? That'd be actually criminal. And no, guys, they were right. Now, I'm not kidding. If you guys haven't seen the Flash movie yet, you probably really shouldn't. It's terrible. But no, reverse Flash is not there. And it's got so disrespectful. That's so stupid. Like, oh man. It, it, uh. it was it's a prime example of Warner Brothers hoping they can make money by including characters they're hoping people want to see. Mm-hmm. Like personally, and this may get me, you know, attacked. I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Keaton as Batman. Me neither, and actually. So I was yeah. him being in the movie, I was like, okay, sure. But mm-hmm. Like the girl playing Supergirl was great. I loved her. Please keep her around if you're going to keep some of these mm-hmm. people. If you're going to keep John Cena as Peacemaker, please keep <laughs> her as, as Supergirl. But my point more is that, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just tell a Flash movie then. You you filled it with all this nonsense and jumped to something as big as Flashpoint that needs time to breathe with the character before you jump into the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my biggest thing is like, this movie makes no sense. There's no reason to be here. There's no villain. Don't even get me like, I I think the biggest thing I have a huge problem with when it comes to some of these DC movies is there's just horrible leaps in logic or just no logic whatsoever that could easily be fixed. Yeah. With dialogue. So in the movie, I was seething at my brain when these things happened. Guys, I shit you not, this is what actually happened. So as we know from Justice League 2017, Barry Allen's dad is in jail. Okay. So you're so as a comic book head or even a casual, you everyone, everybody knows, even if you're a mom, you don't even care what the fucking flash. You know it's reverse flash who did that. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows reverse flash killed Barry's mom. Okay, so in this movie, holy mother of God, this is terrible. This is the, the line of logic I'm explaining to you guys is insane. Okay, so 
Barry, when they were at the store, Barry and his mom, Barry, Barry's mom told him, go get this can of tomato soup. He didn't. They got home. They realized they didn't have a can of, of tomatoes. So she asked her husband, can you get this for me? He comes back. She's dead. You're thinking like, okay, that, they're going to reveal it's reverse flash later on. <laughs> no. Guess what happened? So apparently they needed to look at cameras to see if Barry's dad was there when he checked out at the supermarket to get that can of tomatoes. Now, Already, you're already thinking like, this is already so stupid. So let me explain it to you people. Okay. Factually, he couldn't have did it because he literally wasn't there. He actually couldn't even have driven back to kill her because everyone knew that he was at the supermarket. That is so dumb. Okay. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a supermarket ever. He literally couldn't have killed her even if he wanted to because he literally wasn't even there. Then... Barry can go back in time and see exactly when his mom died, but he can't go back to the point where he can see the, the, the person when he killed her. So he can't even, in his, in, in uh, going back in the future, go back and see that reverse flash killed his, his mom. I was like, what, what movie are we watching? This is stupid. This is actually so stupid. So this guy is in jail for something that he didn't do when he wasn't even at the residence. And everyone apparently knew he was a good guy. He was a good husband. He was, he was actually there at a supermarket that apparently only had one camera they could look at to see if he was there. I was like, this movie's fucking terrible. Throw this shit in the trash. Like, what is this? And then in the movie, Barry, this is the only super movies that I don't like. They randomly lose their powers. Did it with the Flash TV show. That's why people had a big problem with the TV show. He constantly kept losing his powers. In the movie, they did the exact same thing. Barry's telling his other counterpart, hey, uh, this is what's going to happen. But he gets hit with it himself, so he loses his powers. I'm like, this movie is terrible. So like, what are we watching here? This is awful. And then at the end of the movie, apparently it's Dark Flash, who's not been in the movie the entire time. You only see him like once, and he just comes out and starts saying some bullshit. And you're sitting there like, who are you? Why should I give a fuck about you? Oh, it's because you looked like Barry. Yeah, no. And then also before that, they're doing this thing where they have to defeat uh, Zod and uh, his minions, actually. So they mess up. They go, okay, one redo. No, it's not just one redo because they keep messing up. So they keep messing up and already beliefs and logic is stupid in that. Wait a minute. How do you mess up 50 times when you know the ex know how to beat this scenario? This is, hey, this is terrible. Get, here, here. I'm going to make it worse. Okay. Did you, you've seen Man of Steel, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Why was Zod on Earth? Because he wanted to terraform Earth to get their powers back. Right? But how did he know to come to Earth? Oh shit, I forgot. I generally forgot. It's because Kalel, Superman, turns on the ship he finds on Earth. Yes. Yeah. And then it turns on a beacon and they know to come here. Mm -hmm. Kalel wasn't on Earth. Supergirl yeah. is trapped. Mm -hmm. How do they know to get to come to Earth? Oh, true. And also in your thing, Supergirl gets killed by a spike. That's not even he just kills by by a by a knife stab. I'm sitting there going like they have instant regeneration. She shouldn't even be dead. Yeah. But no, that was my biggest thing. Is like there's literally no reason or because they say, Oh, well, we captured the baby, so we knew mm -hmm. where he was going and we came here. Well, that was 30 years ago, bro. Why did it take you so long to get here? Mm -hmm. So just Zod being on Earth in that movie makes zero sense. Also, the fighting is terrible too. We know Zod is not going to sit there and let a girl just wail on him. 
This is Zod we're talking about here, people. Yeah. Like when they're fighting, this might be the dumbest fight scene ever. He's she's literally just punching him. He's not doing anything. I'm like, this is this is not the same. <laughs> what the fuck? I was like, the leaps and shit logic in this movie is just blowing my mind. And then when Michael Keaton's there, it just kind of feels like he's just added there. He doesn't really actually provide anything, you know? Yeah. It's there's yeah, the whole movie is nonsense. I don't I don't even understand. And that's why, yeah, just yeah. That's why I I'm didn't go see Blue Beetle because I was like, nah, I'm gonna take a. The Flash was the last movie I saw before uh, Blue Beetle, Mission Impossible Seven, Oppenheimer, Barbie, and Meg Two came out. I was like, you know, I I, I gotta take a break because usually for me, I go to movies quite consistently. But when I see a bad one as bad as that, I gotta go. Okay, I'm taking a break. That is too bad. Okay, that. And I, I, I try to go and support the theaters. I know I know it's not their fault when bad movies come out. I, I try to go and support the theaters. I try to go. I love going to movie theaters. I love watching movies in the theaters. But it's like, God damn, we get movies this bad. I got to be like, nah, I can't do it for a minute. Because last movie I watched after The Flash was The Creator. And that was also, ugh, more, no, more of this. Good. Well, it's a movie where, like, if you didn't, if you're not really into the sci-fi genre, it's probably gonna be pretty good to people, but I was sitting there watching, going, "Ugh, just it's not like, like it's bad in terms of like story. It's just more like acting, pacing, all that stuff." Actually, and these the greatest actress ever, Jimmy Chan. You know, because she's such garbage. Why does she still get roles? Is beyond me. She's actually just terrible. She's I was actually... hoping Element Elementals would have tanked her, but apparently nobody pays attention. No, she only gets hard because she's attractive. She's so terrible as an actress. It blows my mind how she's even popular. She's actually people want to watch eternals eternals i'm sorry not elementals eternals what was i talking about one of those eternals one of those she was terrible in leading actresses ever holy mother of god are you gonna watch um aquaman 2 i have to <laughs> yes yeah, thing though i love this stuff this thing, i love superhero stuff and i am and it's i'm still gonna go watch it even the marvels i will take a thursday off to go see that you know and i i want them to be good the people factor in I want it to be good. I don't want to go waste my day at a movie theater when I'm already off work and I'm already tired as hell. I don't want to go waste some money on a bad product. I don't think anybody does. Realistically, despite what contrary to popular belief, I don't think anyone really wants to go to a movie theater and sit there and see a bad movie. No one does, you know? No. No, I, I'm I'm excited about Marvels, but that's because I really like the girl playing Miss Marvel. I thought she was really good Oh, Eman Bellamy. Yeah. Um, and then... I don't like. I thought Brie Larson was great as Captain Marvel in Endgame. I don't know what happened with her getting directed or not directed in Captain Marvel. I didn't particularly care for that movie, but I'm excited about the film. I'm gonna go check it out. Mm -hmm. Aquaman two. I just have to watch it because reviews for the for the other podcast. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing too. Sometimes, yeah, because like I do want to talk about this stuff because I don't want to be the guy where you know people say they hate a movie and they haven't even watched it. Like, I'm never doing that. I'm never gonna say I hate something yeah. if I haven't ever watched it because that's just that's just you know I don't want to be a poser because you know back in the day when you grew up people would just call me like that poser. It's like no, I'm not a poser. If I literally haven't seen it, I'm not saying anything about it because I don't want to give my opinion about it because it's something I haven't seen. But when I saw Aquaman 2's trailer, I was like, I just didn't feel anything. Like 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 should I care about this? You know, it's like. I'm, I've never been the hugest Aquaman fan. I have a few Aquaman comic books that I literally just bought this year. I've never been the hugest Aquaman fan in general. And the first movie was was all right, you know. It was really basic, you know. Yeah. It's just basically go here, go here, get this item, become king. That's it. Yeah, you know. If you read the New Fifty Two reboot of Aquaman, that 
that title's really, really good. Throwing a bit. Oh, Atlantis. I bought that one. Yeah, all that, that stuff's really good. Um, this look, Momoa was Momoa. You get what you get what you pay for when you go see his movie. I particular, I'm a big fan of Patrick Wilson, which mm. is the only reason I watched the first one. And then I was like, he's not even in this thing. I don't like it. But this one, I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm not excited to see it, but I'm gonna check it out. I, I won't IMAX it or anything. I'll try and get a cheap showing. But. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. This is the other problem people have not been mentioning in their YouTube videos talking about the box office, which is there's no new movies getting filmed, guys. There's almost like nothing coming out next year unless what's been pushed back to next year or unless they're releasing back titles that they have never released because they thought they were too bad to release in that moment. There's nothing getting filmed, but the strike is still going on right now. And Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe a year, maybe pretty much a year of not anything coming out will will definitely shake things up. Now that's gonna be bad for the theaters. The theaters will probably end up having to do something special or make like many events. Maybe. I mean, if they survive COVID, they can survive this. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say this. If you survived COVID and basically every physical media death that they were supposed to endure, these are, these plays are gonna be around forever. And this thing about movie theaters, people forgot came to covid was inherently as people we like going out inherently we are interactive creatures by nature you know yeah. so we're gonna want to go and out I, and i live here in texas and nobody here cared about covid like covid shut oh, down yeah, the, the little town yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the little town i lived in covid shut it down for like three 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 days max like <laughs> nobody here gave two craps like oh cool masks whatever we're still want to do everything we want to do so yeah, yeah. california and ugh, basically i mean here in my town, they were a lot more lenient on it. Like my town, the one I live living in, in California, it doesn't have it. We really don't have all that bullshit that happens. You know, in other places, I'm lucky to even live here and to have that as a thing. Because like, we go to Walmart and people be like, "Do you wear a mask?" And I was like, "Nah, I can take that shit off." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> like yeah. here in my my town specifically, we didn't really go through that stuff either. The only thing that that was actually was good was I had more time off and the roads were clear. Like literally during COVID, I've never seen roads so clear in my life. Actually, dirt, yeah. nothing, just no cars. So you just walk through the whole. I actually legitimately just went through the actual highway. You can't do this now, <laughs> just to go to a Denny's. You can't do that shit now, man. No way. Uh, but during COVID, I watched uh, the first Shazam movie, and I, I really dug it. Honestly, it was fine. It was fine. It's it's my it out of all the ones that out of all the ones they released that's my that's my personal favorite I thought it had the most heart best storytelling to me acting was really good it has 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 that had that nice serious but not serious charm to it I was like what and then I saw Shazam two and I was like I knew it I knew they would fuck it up I knew it they and I, people were like why are you so mad I was like what do you mean they screwed up I I love the first one I legitimately love that first movie and like what is this dog shit like what is this. Yeah. I think my biggest issue with the first one is you told me it was a kid's movie and it was not. And I have, I have little kids and it was like my eight year old, we went and saw it. And by the end of that movie, we got back. He's like, yeah, I don't want this poster up anymore. (laughs) He's just like, I don't, I don't care. It was like, yeah, this is, Mm -hmm. you're telling me it's a kid's movie. There's, this is not a kid's movie, which is fine. Like, I don't say it has to be a kid's movie, but if you're telling me it's a kid's trailer, selling misled it, people to believe that. That's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not have taken my eight at the time. I think he was eight or seven. I would not have taken him to see that movie. If I had known that was what that film was going to be. Mm-hmm. So, so let's start here. Cause you said, cause you, you write for, you roll on black Cobra. You grew up, uh, moving around a bit army Brett. Right. And then now, 
so what did you do in that period before you became like married and you started having kids? Oh, everybody. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so in my early twenties, I was really trying to break into comics and I got really close several times. And then what stopped it? Uh, it was a couple different things. Like I, being a writer in comics is an uphill battle. I'm not mm. saying it's impossible, but it's an mm. uphill battle because as an artist, mm-hmm. you can draw something mm-hmm. and put in dialogue. It may not be the best dialogue, but you can mm-hmm. do it. Or you could easily walk into a convention and go, here's six pages. Oh, you're a good artist. We're going to hire you. It's really hard to do that as a writer, especially pre all digital anything. So there was a couple times like I had a friend and we would say, we're going to do this. And then it wouldn't come together. Or I would write all four issues and be like, all right, let's do this. And then he'd write a pay, a draw page or six or go on to other things. So there was a, a couple different things that got me really close. And then one time, what, what really happened is I'm about 26, 27 years old and digital cameras come out. Mm-hmm. So now you can digitally edit and digitally film a movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I don't need an artist anymore. So I can write a movie and I can shoot the movie and I don't need any help. And that's kind of what altered my course of what I wanted to do with myself mm-hmm. as far as like hobby and kind of creative outlet. So then from about 27, 28 years old to about 36, I, my main thing was film. Mm-hmm. I was, I, 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 it was like, I'm not like I was not in like any big crazy movies, all locally stuff in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. But from there I kind of springboarded it. And that's actually how I met my wife. We, we acted in a lot of same projects together and then we got to know each other and then um, got married, moved to Houston area. And then about five, six years ago, I had this moment where I was like, I really want to do a comic book. I have money now. (laughs) I -hmm. could just pay somebody to draw them. And I actually started working on one, but I didn't because I was married and I had a family. I didn't want to do the, Let's do Kickstarter. Let's do, mm-hmm. let's go to conventions. I wanted to produce something, pitch to somebody, have them do all that stuff for me, and not worry <laughs> about it. Because, Same, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I, yeah. I, I just didn't want to invest that time. Mm-hmm. And it, it just didn't, it just didn't happen. And I probably at that time maybe should have kept going with it. And I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? It, it, was, it was a good try. I hadn't done anything like this in about 10 or 15 years. It was a good attempt. I think I'm done. Comic books are over. And mm-hmm. for like four or five years, there's a lot of having done all that. I got involved with a lot of groups, got to, got to know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then four or five years later, I saw uh, comics was hiring talent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe that's what, maybe I could just be a writer. So mm-hmm. I actually applied, got the job and have been working with him. So since. what is your relationship like with him? Is he a good, is he a good owner to work for? I don't hate that. I hate that dude. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't pay me more money. I'm no, just kidding. He, he's a really nice guy. The, the thing of it is, is that um, he, he lets you be creative. Like he has a set guidelines of what needs to be in a, in a, cause Croc is a Christian based comic book company. Yeah. You know, and I mean that of like, they have Christian morals, they're Christians themselves. We're not, over flooding with scripture. It's just, this is what these guys are. Now go have fun with them. Mm -hmm. And 
it's fun sometimes to not have to create a whole new thing, but to just step in and go like, here's 30 characters, pick one and write a story. And then it was pick this one to write a story. Then it was, hey, can I have these two? Hey, can I do this? And that was a, it was very freeing as a writer because some of the hardest part of coming up with a new comic and writing something is you've got to create the world. You've got to create the characters. You've got to set the rules, but this was already established. So I just hit the, I just hit the ground running and started writing all kinds of different stuff. And that's, that's been really nice to work with Bill. Cause he's, and if it's something he doesn't like, he'll be like, Hey, no, let's not do that. But, um, mm-hmm. but he's open to letting me like real, like there's one character, the script hasn't come out yet, mm-hmm. but I wrote the script it was really good. And then like two months later, I, I reached out. I was like, hey, I think I can do something really cool with this. Mm-hmm. Will you let me do this? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I, he let me rewrite it and really push the edge of not only making this character um, not a nice guy in his mm-hmm. past, but it kind of really uh, made the story a better. So story. I'll ask you, uh, what was the first project you actually worked on when it came to Grok Universe? Uh, the first thing I did was a um, <clears throat> part of me was another was a script for because you had to audition. So I auditioned for a script called, for Thief in the Night, who was okay. kind of like a Batman in training kind of character. Mm-hmm. And it was a two pager. And what I did is I he has a lot of martial arts thing and I've been doing martial arts as a kid. So I kind of mm-hmm. used that as a template for this two page script. Mm-hmm. He really liked it. And then he was like, hey, I really want you to do another story on this guy. Can you do something? And I was like, well, do you mind if I run wild with it? He was like, uh, what do you want to do? And I kind of mentioned a couple things. So what I created, I actually like created a character named Tech Vest, who I think mm-hmm. probably within the next month or two will actually appear in one of the secret files, which tells like her two-page origin. And she's kind of a just a, a a thief that beats the crap out of thief of the night. Mm-hmm. And her background is that like, she actually was part of this superhero group, but then just used the knowledge to become a better thief. <laughs> and, and she's just this like morally ambiguous character who just does her own thing and doesn't really care. And, and from there, because he really liked what I did there, he just, he would just toss me characters. Hey, can you write a script about man of war? Can you do this? And then there were two characters who I really, really liked. Uh, they're called silent and night. They're kind of like these two ninja commando strike team guys. And I was like, I have a really wacky idea for this. Can I run with it? And he was like, yeah, do whatever you want. And so then I came back with a, an issue I wrote and he was like, okay, let's expand this more. So if everything works out, <laughs> it, they are actually going to be, hopefully, if, like I said, if, if things work out, they will be in the, <clears throat> they'll get their own series sometime next year. And that'll be totally written by me. And it'll just be. You wrote crazy. Black Cobra, did you? I did. I wrote Black Cobra. I wrote, it's all, there's, so the standard edition of Black Cobra has three parts. And I wrote all three parts of those. There's an extended edition of Black Cobra that has a story by Patrick Daniel. That's really cool, but it's all wrapped up into the same kind of thing. Okay. So I'll ask you this too, because you've been writing for quite some time. So how did you get better at your writing then? Uh, I think 
one thing I will say is, is it's just a matter of writing, like re just writing and writing and writing. And I think what helped me a lot is some of it is, it sounds weird to say this, but like watching DVD commentaries and listening to people talk about story. Development. Very underrated, very underrated. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the things back when I was doing film, the things I learned in commentaries is insane. Mm -hmm. Like there's some of, I mean, none of them all are great. Like if you watch mm -hmm. some of them, you're like, like a Tim Burton commentary, mm -hmm. don't bother. Mm -hmm. But like anything um, Guillermo del Toro does, like if you watch mm -hmm. Hellboy commentary or Blade 2 or Pan's Labyrinth, that dude is giving you a master class on filmmaking and mm -hmm. on storytelling. So like some of that was, did, did it, but I've also, to me, like trying to figure out like what makes this work why do i like this why do i not like this and hmm. structure i'm not a big save the cat person which is like the standard template for writing a movie like 60 to 70 percent of movies out there are save the cat which is you do this you do this it's just like a 16 step thing hmm. but i think what what really helped me was as i got into the acting with with the filmmaking you have to make this dialogue work hmm. And I think a lot of people, they write, it's like you write stuff. Oh yeah. He says, this says this, but then it's like, it's not natural. It reads natural, but it's not natural. And then that's why I've told some of the other writers like, Hey, when you read your dialogue, read it out loud, act like you're in this conversation and, and see what it sounds like. Because sometimes this dialogue, just by doing it out loud, you're like, Oh, so sometimes I'm psychotic and I'll be in the car talking to characters in a conversation and just like, you know, black Cobra, like what would I say if I was black Cobra? I'm, you know, somebody said something, I will put about this, you know, and smack talk back and forth. And, and I think sometimes that's what has helped me the most is just literally acting out scenes by myself and just seeing like how this would work. And that's probably the best, but at some of it too, is just, I mean, I've written dozens of movie scripts dozens of you know probably hundreds of comic book scripts and story like that but i think that's the thing is anything you want to be good at you have to do you know you you're never going to be a master sprinter by sitting on your couch watching tv you know if, if you're a martial artist you're never going to do you're never going to be you're never be great at a spinning back kick if you don't learn how to do a back kick if you don't know how to do spinning back kick if you don't do the you gotta you gotta do all the work and i think that's mm -hmm. where some people get it like well i'm gonna write it's like movie making. We're like, well, my first movie is going to be a high budget um, action <laughs> film. Like, bro, you need to you need to film two people drinking coffee and see if you can even make it through that process. <laughs> like, if you can't film two people sitting down drinking coffee and edit it and produce it and finish it, you're mm -hmm. never going to make that action. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you can't I do. Sometimes the I hate. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I hate and love people because they have this. It, that people say that like, man, I want to do that high budget action movies. Whose money are you using to make this? And they're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, it, the funny thing is the very first movie I did mm -hmm. was for Wizard the Guide to Comics. I don't know if you know if you know about that that magazine. Wizard the Coast? A, no, no, no. It was a magazine in the, the 80s and 90s. It was mm -hmm. like before the internet. Mm -hmm. It was the magazine you bought and read to know about everything comic book related. And they had a movie contest. So I did a Nightwing movie trailer because Nightwing's my favorite comic book character, mm -hmm. as you can tell from the the guys behind me. Yeah, but, I, love um, I love Dick. You know, 
Dick's yeah, great. that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing like a Nightwing pick to, to, to send to those ladies asking for dick pics. But um, <laughs> that's that's all you're gonna get out of me. Sorry, but um, no, it was it was funny because I decided to do it, and a friend of mine was like, "Well, how are we gonna do this?" And at the time, I was teaching a bunch of my friends martial arts, and I was like, "Well, I'll just use my students as the stunt guys." They know how to do all this stuff. Well, I'll borrow a camera from work because I worked at a computer store at the time. And then I would edit the movie at work to display and demo the products. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> and it was kind of how I got started with that. And it was, yeah, it was just just force of will making things happen. And I think sometimes you you do with the tools you have, you know. Uh-huh. So that was that was kind of the biggest thing on that. And I think when it comes to honing your writing, how do you deal with pacing? Some of people's biggest issue is like pacing when it comes to storytelling. Uh, hate other things that are boring. <laughs> if I'm bored writing it, someone's bored reading it. That that's True. that's kind of my thing, you know. Um, I think sometimes there are like you have to get through the explanation, you have to mm-hmm. get through the exposits, and but how do you make that interesting? Um, the, I remember one script I wrote and it's, it's kind of weird. So I don't want to give away too much on stuff that hasn't seen the light of day, mm-hmm. but we'll go to black Cobra. So mm-hmm. how do I show that black Cobra's trying to prove himself in the scenario that he's in, in this, in this True. issue? Mm-hmm. Well, you make him get so into the fight that he's not paying attention to destruction because what happens in this first, in the first story is that he and this guy start fighting and they're beating the crap out of each other. They don't realize they've destroyed all the support beams of this building and it collapses on them. Well, that tells you enough to know that this guy's trying to overcompensate for whatever, because he's dealing with PTSD. He's trying to overly do his job so much so that he's not paying attention to what's happening and it almost costs him his life. And I think that's like taking scenarios like that. Like how can I tell a story without saying something? Um, You know, the, the, the one issue with the with Silent Night, I have. It sounds weird, but I had a, a scene where they're eating lunch, mm-hmm. and they're they order their food, and then they're about to pray, and the one guy's like, "I don't, I, I'm hungry. Why are we praying?" And even though it's a a very weird thing for praying in public, to see one guy who's trying to rush through it so he can eat, and the other guy who's taking it seriously, well, now you know this relationship. You now know what this relationship is going to be like when they attack this, this team of villains, when they mm-hmm. go into this action moment, you know this guy is going to be impatient and he's just trying to get to the, his goal and you know the other guy is going to be making sure we're doing things right. And that all from a scene of two people trying, one guy trying to dodge praying so he could eat and the other guy taking the time to eat, to pray before he eats. And it's it's a it's weird, but it's two pages that once that those two, you get through those two pages, you know who these guys are. Mm -hmm. And then it even adds to like, when they go to the, this is your mission. If you choose to accept it scene, the other guy's still eating and take, not taking it seriously because he's still hungry. So just those through lines in some of that stuff, you're informing people about this character without having somebody go, well, actually he's this guy who doesn't take anything seriously. Mm-hmm. I can show that. I can show that by his feet are on the table and he's eating an egg roll while the big boss of the team is telling them what their mission is. And I think that's where, when it comes to the writing, trying to think of that kind of stuff. How can I tell you about this character 
without having the stereotypical, well, when he was 15, he joined the force. And at 18, he got to this level. And then at 22, well, he was in SWAT. And it's like, we don't need somebody (laughs) giving me the, the Marvel universe roster, a origin of this character. Yeah. (laughs) Just show it, like just show it in the action show. And the thing you mentioned earlier, the coffee, people drinking examples i've heard that example a lot of times and people don't understand when you're watching a movie and it first opens after the credits play that first hook right there will pretty much determine if you're going to have an interesting movie for a lot of people having dialogue that's interesting witty funny or serious between the first two characters sets the tone for everything that that's why in trailers they don't show you that stuff because that it's basically kind of showing you the, the best action parts or the most interesting parts, right? But the, re- the reason why they don't show you just those dialogue parts is because th- if you just had that in trailers, that wouldn't entice anybody to watch. People want the quick, oh, what's what's going to be happening here in this scene? And I, I do like that. And that, that example works very well because, like, some people just want to film, like, action scenes. And it's like, what does that – what's the point of – I never understood this big thing about that, which is, like, mindless action is worthless unless you know the context and dialogue behind it. Yeah. You know, like we use Dragon Ball Z, for example, a lot of the great fights people like came from the dialogue and interactions these characters have prior to that. That's why the fight scenes can hit as hard as they do. A lot of people don't know how to convey dialogue in a way that it's going to make the payoff of the battle scene or whatever you're trying to write hit. Right. And the same thing with, um, because you're writing a char- uh, oh, you're writing for a black character. I don't know if CNN would like that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> as shows, you don't have to be like I don't have to be a white guy to write about a white guy's story, you know? Because this thing, you're not using Black Cobra's race as his crutch of his character. That's not his only personality trait, I would imagine, right? No, it's yeah. just, it's just about him being black. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang it! Ah, and, the narrative. As you can see, and the viewers can see, I'm the perfect person for that. <laughs> it is actually oh. that is something that was kind of interesting to me because mm-hmm. the guy who I created sector with is my friend DeMarcus. And when I was writing this black Cobra thing, I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to be weird about this, but I just want to make sure I'm not writing this dude mm-hmm. white. And we're just kind of blackface is not the right word, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a white character with a black skin. If that makes sense. Man, that's even more offensive, isn't it? What the hell am I doing <laughs> right now? <laughs> Point being, I just was like, Hey, read this script and make sure it's not. Cause then it's like almost the opposite. Do you go over the top and mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to have him be like, yo blood. What's up? I'm like, no, yeah. that is not, it's gotta be there. There's a, a jargon and a way mm-hmm. some characters speak, be it from ethnicity, from background, right. from age. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's nothing wrong with saying like, Hey, read this over and make sure it's not, either over the top or mm-hmm. not even mentioned. But sometimes like you're saying is like his name is black Cobra, but this is not a, this storyline is not about a black superhero. This is about a superhero with PTSD and how he deals with that. That mm-hmm. is a universal thing. That's not just black people, white people, Mexicans, uh, Puerto Ricans, Asian, everybody deals with PTSD. Mm-hmm. So when you create this character who is not, in my opinion, just a white guy in a mm-hmm. black costume per se, it's a, a person who's dealing with something. And when those moments come where that ethnicity may come out, I do my best, but I will kind of confer to some people and say like, Hey, flip this over. Like, is it too much or is it too little? And sometimes, like I said, I wrote a different script with him on a different project and I, I made a joke and he was like, 
yeah, that doesn't work. And I think I had called, I had a, a um, it was actually a Power Man and Iron Fist mm-hmm. uh, fan film we were doing. And I had Power Man call Iron Fist, no, white boy, do it this way. And he was like, yeah, we don't say that to a white guy who's our friend. <laughs> That's a very mm-hmm. aggressive way to, so you need to change that to something like this. So, like sometimes you go over the top with it. So that's why I always want to be careful. But it's also, again, like if you're telling a universal story, if you're telling a story about a character who's dealing with PTSD and just trying to be the best mm-hmm. person he is in this Christian environment that this hero exists in, uh, I'm, I'm going to do my best and hopefully everybody likes it. And so far it looks like people do. And um, mm-hmm. it's he's a ton of fun to write. You know, mm-hmm. I... I was uh, able to kind of give him more Capoeira in his mm. fighting style because I was like, man, Capoeira looks cool. We <laughs> have to kind of edit in there. It can't just be normal karate. Um, Who was the artist for Black Cobra? There's three different guys. Um, okay. There's Luciano wrote part or drew part one. <laughs> David Lee drew part two. And then part three is going to be is in the middle of being produced by a guy named Geraldo. He and I have worked on several scripts together and he's, he's, he's great. I really like his work a lot. Um, not that I don't like the other guys. I'm just saying I have history with, with, <laughs> oh, for with, sure. Yeah. With Geraldo. <laughs> he and I have done, this will be our fifth, fourth or fifth thing together. And he and I have had a lot of fun. He, he actually drew, he is, he drew that tech best story that I was telling you about earlier. Mm-hmm. That was the first time he and I worked together. And it was just really cool because we kind of sometimes you you work together and you just meld. And he and I really kind of were able to like, hey, this da da da. And um, so I I really like working with him. Uh, so they're the guys who are doing the art on, on this book. That's also another thing that you know people need to understand is having a team, a great team behind you can all the much more not just easier but a better experience because you can definitely have that like i'll say bond but it's a mutual respect that you want to put out the best product though you know and you want to be able to to shorthand things you know that there, mm-hmm. there's definitely a process you know look marvel dc more often than not when you get to some of these bigger ones you're lucky enough that you get to meet the your your people mm-hmm. in person that day is gone like right. i've never met i've never even met bill in person i've been working for a year we talked about <laughs> like once or twice a month, but I've never met him in person mm-hmm. because he lives up in a North area, like mm-hmm. New England area ish, I guess. Or I don't know. That's how much I know about Bill mm-hmm. as far as where he lives. And I'm here in Texas. We talk all the time, but I don't know. I've never met him in person. I've never met any of the artists I've worked for. Some mm-hmm. of them, like Luciano's in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. Geraldo, I think, is either in Mexico and Central mm-hmm. America. Um, and then let's, let's see. Uh, David Lee, I think is, I'm not sure where he's from. Not trying to be like, I don't care, but we're working on comics together. And so it's, it's been interesting. Even when I did sector several years ago, that guy was in Texas, but Texas is so big. I'd have to drive five hours to see him. (laughs) So, so yeah, that, that's, those are the guys who do the art on this one. And uh, I really like a lot of the style they're doing. Um, but yeah, that, that's, did I answer your question? Or am I just rambling? <laughs> no, you're fine. It, okay. It's just, you know, you don't, I think people don't understand having a good relationship with the people you work with. It's just that, you know, you don't have yeah. to know like 
what his bill's bank account numbers are because that shouldn't matter to you. People are trying, I gotta know the people. No, you don't. We're not a family. We're just working together. You can be friends. Like it helps to be friends. But yeah, yeah. like, and it's some of it too is just like, hey, I'm, I've been doing martial arts since I was a kid. And when I was into film, I did all the fight courting for my movies. I did fight courting for other films. I like, that is a big thing for me. So when I do the action in some of these movies, sometimes I'll, like for, for Black Cobra, like this guy wasn't getting a kick. I was like, no, it's like this. And I went to my garage and like filmed myself doing these kicks mm-hmm. and it helped him. But like, I get really particular when it comes to action. Mm-hmm. And uh, Geraldo was really, or Geraldo was really good about like understanding what I was saying and taking it beyond what I was doing. And that, that's been a really, really a, a blessing when, when working with him. Hmm. because i am gonna kick in some action that is my thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i am doing that so what is other is any other advice you could offer people in the indie space as well i mean it's kind of hard because like i i can't i don't want to say i'm the most successful person this (laughs) is really i'm just kind of breaking in but the thing of it is is like look this, I'm going to be condescending for a second. That's fine. <laughs> I think we'll need more of that in the industry, yeah. actually. <laughs> we're not working for Marvel. We're not working for DC. We're not working for Image. We're not working for even some of right. the, the mid-range guys. They're working this for is, me. That's what he well, really no, means. Yeah. But no, like, we're <laughs> indie-level guys. Yeah. We are in the trenches trying to just make good stuff. And it's, it's okay if you want to do more. You're going to have to work to do more. But I think sometimes you get these people who just think that they're the best thing ever. And, and they, they want to spend their time either crapping on other people or mm. um, thinking that they're, you know, going beyond what they want to do. And it's like, man, do the groundwork again, make, shoot the scene at the coffee shop, mm-hmm. write the little script, do the things you need to do to build up to where you want to be. If you have the talent and you do the work and, and you keep, mm. you know, consistency, you're going to get there. And, you know, I think that's, that's, that's the big thing for me. I mean, look, there are so many things where it's just by chance, you know, you know, um, what's his name? Robert Kirkman, Mm -hmm. you know, he gets noticed. I want to say it was Eric Larson who found him because he was doing like a a web comic, some Mm -hmm. little comic. If he doesn't happen to see that comic, doesn't happen to read it and like it. Robert Kirkman never happens to go to image. We don't get invincible. The cartoon invincible. We don't get walking dead. We don't get any Mm -hmm. of those things. So sometimes it's luck, but sometimes it's just like the luck comes from the work. Luck mm-hmm. is a side effect of incredible skill. <laughs> and the fact that Robert Kirkman was where he was is what allowed him to be lucky enough to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where like, just, just do the work, have fun, enjoy what you're doing. If, if egos get in the way, then realize like, Hey, we're just all trying to make the best thing possible. Let, let's work together as best we can. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the other thing to understand with people is uh, not everything you're going to produce is going to be the best. And learning to hone that in and try to improve is another thing. Everyone thinks they're creating Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. And it's like, that's just not how that works. And if you think that, I hope, I, I hope you get that. That would be great. But that's just not how it's going to work. Look, you know? Every project is R&D, research and development for the next thing. You know, Black Cobra is doing really well. Just got word while we were talking that we got a couple, another big backer. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think like do the work. Black Cobra, is it the best script I've ever written? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I want to say yes, but it's not. <laughs> it's a really good script. I'm proud of it, but it was the fourth, fifth script I wrote for Bill. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple other ones after that that are outstanding, you know? And I think that, you know, there's a couple like the, I really like part three, the script I wrote there. I really like that. I think it has a lot more heart, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with going like, okay, this was good. I'm, I'm proud of this. Now I'm going to do better next time. You know, if I end up writing black Cobra two, which, you know, for a weird moment there before the campaign started, I go like, does this mean I have to write the second one? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to find out. So, you know, what is that going to look like? What's that going to be? So I, I think that's where I go sometimes. It's like, I wrote this. I'm proud of it. I'm going to move on because the next thing's coming. Always go to the next thing. You know, you got you to gotta move past what you did and just make sure the next thing's better. So Black Cobra number zero, did you write that one? I did not. Black Cobra number Bill zero wrote was this written one. by Bill. And yeah. I, I don't know if there's another writer on that one. Yeah, the artist Louis Rivera Gillard Goulart wrote Black Cobra zero. So now technically would I have to start at Black Cobra number zero? Because what if um, I got Black Cobra number one and reviewed it and there's a number zero? I would feel so dumb. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> no, no. So Black, there is a story of Black Cobra that you would... I don't want to say you need to read for number one mm-hmm. because there's parts of number one that kind of go back and do what you would need to, to do because uh, remnant number two is another comic he appeared in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, ultimately all you need to know is that he's suffering from PTSD from mm-hmm. something that happened to him. Uh, he got captured by the watchers who were the villains in, in comics. Right. And he was tortured. So he's dealing with PTSD after his rescue. Given Which if you want to see that issues, don't you? <laughs> you know, there's a, a black girl who has issues too. No, <laughs> I'm trying it. to get some Mexican dudes in there. Who knows? Because I'm half Mexican. It was like it's it's hard to do Mexicans in comics though because they just look <laughs> like white guys who haven't. You know, it's like. But anyway, um, no, I think it's yeah. You don't need it, but if you want to see what how he got to where he is. Black Cobra number zero is good. Remnant right. number two is good, but uh, it does not, it's not required to jump on this story. Mm-hmm. So you can pick up number one, get everything you need. And it's an, it's a self-contained story that references things that's happened to him, but it's not required to understand it because writer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have your own, you have, you have a podcast you do with someone, right? Yes. I do a podcast called we are the bat went. We are the Batman with Mike Shea. Yes. Um, he is a, a buddy of mine. I met him. We were both fans of a podcast called the top 10. And then I had a podcast long time ago called fanboy junction and he was a guest on it. So he and I kind of have became close through that. And then one day on Twitter, he was like, I really want to do a Batman podcast, but I have nobody to do it with. And I was like, ta-da. <laughs> and um, we just said, how would you do this? So, even though it's called we are the Batman, it's about 50, 60% Batman and the rest of it's DC because there isn't something new that we can do about Batman every single week. And not all the comics are great enough for us to discuss every week. So we talk about the movies. We talk about the cartoons. We talk about DC. We talk about Batman, you know, it's, it's, and that's why, like I said, we review Blue Beetle, we reviewed The Flash, we're, we're gonna have to review Aquaman. We talk about everything, talk, you know, follow James Gunn's Twitter and threads as close as possible to see what random thing he's gonna say that we can talk about. 
So that that's kind of what we do with that podcast. Yeah, I had a Batman podcast that was based around like solo one-on-ones and I lost all the episodes because original YouTube channel got taken down because reasons, you know? Oh, yeah. God. So yeah, I had podcasts that were, so the Batman podcast, the Yu-Gi-Oh! one, the Nightwing podcast. The Nightwing podcast I still had because I put it on Spotify and other podcasting platforms. That's what I told anyone. Uh, if you're doing your podcast through YouTube, back up your episodes. Not only just download them, put them out there on podcasting platforms because you never know what's going to end up happening, you know? Always yeah. back them up. And people said, I don't think anyone would want to listen to me for like two hours talking. That doesn't even make sense because they're doing it now on YouTube Live. That doesn't even make sense. That and actually, more people would probably consume it more on their own on its podcasting platform than watching it through YouTube. You know, if it's something that's long form that they can utilize when they're at work or maybe they're just like, you know, just chilling, need something for like background Mutes noise. In the car, yeah. jogging, running. Yeah. yeah. I hate when people say, no one's going to, who would want to listen to me? What the heck is wrong with some of you guys? Stop doing that. It's so cringe. Yeah. You, oh, never, you never know. You never know. You really don't. And this is the thing. Uh, so the Nightmare Podcast, I managed to recover that, but I had to stop that series because I didn't want to start up start up the Nightwing Podcast on Rumble and uh, Twitter. But people go, wait, where's episode one? So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll start a brand new final podcast of doing this, and it's going to include everything. It's going to be one-on-ones. The TCG Podcast we do with like me and my friend Chaz. Um, you know, panel shows where we talk about just whatever, you know. And we'll, we have a League of Legends one as well. It's just around League of Legends. But no, I was like, you know what? We're going to make sure we're going to do this right this time around, you know? And, man, podcasting is – I learned so much doing it too. Like how to have conversations better, how to hone in my points better, and so much. I was thinking just a few days ago, I was so trash back in the day. Those guests carried the shit out of me because I was just excited to have people come on and talk. I didn't really know how yeah. to actually converse properly, you know? That takes a bit to do, learning how to, like, convey your points – you know, really saying out loud what you really think. And a lot of people get like, a lot of people will mess with me like, hey, thanks for the opportunity, but I'm not ready right now. I'm like, it's fine. It's okay. You yeah. know? Some Happens. of my early, early episodes of Fanboy Junction were just, they're hard to listen to. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm glad this didn't come off. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is like, yeah, so, sometimes you just have to, well, you have to find that rhythm in, in what mm -hmm. works and what doesn't. That's really the, the key to it and then i told people uh make sure because it's always something that i'm i definitely should have did back then back up your stuff like download the episodes or videos put them on rumble this thing even if you don't want to do rumble that's fine there's no reason why to not have your content there it, it could get whatever views it can and at least you wouldn't be starting over from scratch actually yeah. you know yeah because i think my my podcast is still up there the fanboy junction stuff you can find it it's out there um, cause I did it all on anchor and yeah, same here. Yeah. I think now they've been absorbed by Spotify. So it's definitely yeah, not going anywhere. Major corporations, uh, you know, they, they eat up the smaller guys cause the anchor had a great idea of, Hey, we'll just put your podcast here and we'll distribute it for you through everywhere. You have to go to the individual companies themselves and make your own accounts with it, but we'll put it out there on an RSS feed. So I went there and I'm putting out the Iron Man podcast now, but as you know, I, uh, my stream yard, uh, the hours fill up. So I didn't realize that I could just download the episodes from StreamYard. Great. This is why StreamYard is even amazing as it is. But I downloaded the files from Twitch and I tried to put them up and they wouldn't go. Because as you know, with major corporations, 
most of the podcast specs on the on the files themselves are tailored to YouTube's because YouTube, YouTube's yeah. the biggest player. So every podcasting platform is going to tailor their like podcasting specs. That's the best way of saying it. Like files. I've got to specs. Well, I just explain it. Like the file types are going to be all tailored to YouTube's types. Yeah. So I basically had to. I now have to go and download my Rumble episodes, put them in my YouTube, my backup YouTube account, unlisted, download the YouTube, then put them up. <laughs> I had to go the long way around. So I, I got to do that for about a hundred and thirty-six episodes. Because now after these, I save and download them right afterwards. I I learned yeah. my lesson. Don't worry, guys. I learned my lesson. God, doing this is gonna be so hard. I try to calculate how many episodes it's gonna be, how many weeks. I'm gonna try and do like twelve episodes a day to get it done. You know, because I want them out there as fast as possible this thing you know have you ever had this question people ask you man where it's like what would you call your podcast the bat like a bat like we are a batman podcast i told people what does the name matter i just i i just like the character i wanted to name my show after a character i like that's it there's not like this long journal essay that i actually have yeah. to give people people are like well how do you how many how do you talk about this many episodes of batman you don't because that's not how that would work are you yeah. like an actual idiot <laughs> uh, we we i think we we had trouble trying to figure out what we were going to call it, but we know because it was we mainly wanted to do Batman stuff, and mm-hmm. with Batman that means anything under Batman's wing, no pun intended. Yeah. But but yeah, it was uh, because the Batman had recently come out, and that's mm-hmm. Mike's favorite movie, and he was like, "Well, how do we call it? We are the Batman," and I was like, "Sure." Like I'm, look, my last pod- podcast is called Fanboy Junction with a K. Like I don't know how to name podcast. Me neither. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. We are the Batman's fine. It tells enough of a story. And so far, no one has been like, hey, but you guys talk about other things behind Batman. Yeah. I well, always, dude, I always get that. I don't get it. It's like, this guy asked me, it's like, why do you call yourself, why, why is your show called the Iron Man podcast? How many episodes of Iron Man would you be talking about? It's like, well, I just named it. Well, first of all, I had one called the Nightwing podcast and I had a Batman one, I had a Yu Gi Oh one too. It's like, I'm just naming stuff after characters that I like. And that's the thing though. People are, it's going to be a recognizable name automatically. Yeah. If I just called this like some generic bullshit, like the MSK cast, like that, that, that would be just so like, ugh, that wouldn't roll off the tongue very well. You know, you got to yeah. make a name that people are going to be like, I want to check that guy out. You, but this is what average fans don't understand. So I, 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 I can't really get too mad because they don't get it actually. You know, they're yeah. like, why is it called this? What does it matter to you? You're, you're going to watch yeah. anyway. What? <laughs> I, I like the costume and the logo that says Iron Man. There we go. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's crazy you live in Texas because se- Texas is my second highest geographic location for the show, actually. That's because it's so big. <laughs> Fort Worth is our biggest player over there. So thank you, everyone wow. in Fort Worth that watches the show. Okay, uh, good, good. Good Lord. And so for, for DC, you know, they're rebooting with James Gunn because I haven't a- asked you about this yet. How do you feel about the James Gunn upcoming reboot? Because if this one's considered like New Fifty Two, then this would be da- this would be DC Rebirth that they're going to be doing essentially. As like anything, an idea. anything's going to be better than what they've been doing for the last eight years. Anything. anything. Did you like Snyder's take? No, me neither. No. No. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like Batman vs Superman. I think it's one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I, Justice League, whichever version, are just different colors of poop. Um, <laughs> I liked Man of Steel, and I liked where it was at the end of that, where we could have gone, and then it was never that way. Um, 
I, I, I enjoyed Blue Beagle. I didn't mind the first Shazam. Um, the first Wonder Woman was 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 good. Yeah. I don't particularly care. I don't think Gal Gadot can act herself out of a wet paper bag, but I think everyone she, gets lucky once with that. Well, you know. yeah, she had really good chemistry with Chris Evans, Chris, Chris Hippine. I mean, the director really worked with her, but like you go see that second movie and you can now we're seeing, but my, I think I just don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't care for a lot of decisions they've made. I, I don't like, um, I think the, the costumes all, are just like, what do we do? I, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't decide whether I just don't like it because it's all bad or because Marvel for a while there was so great. Nothing anybody was going to do was going to compare, but um, even they've kind of started faltering a bit themselves. Um, but no, I, the gun verse again, I think anything could be better than what it was. I didn't particularly care for his suicide squad movie, but like the man is a good storyteller. Like, uh, you know, Peacemaker was a really good show. I've liked all the Gardens of the Galaxy movies. I've liked the majority of his films he did before he joined Marvel. Um, he is a fan. It is very apparent he is actually a comic book fan, which I think you have to be uh, in order to kind of, you don't have to be a comic book fan to direct a really good comic book movie, but you have to understand comics to, to guide a universe. And I think the fact that he loves comics and every time he puts stuff on Twitter, it's him reading a comic or talking about a comic. I'm really intrigued to see what he does. Um, I think he's got a really big uh, shoes to fill. I don't know if you've watched it, but my adventures with Superman is probably the best version of Superman that has ever been put, you know, on screen barring the first Superman with Christopher Reeve, but that show is phenomenal. And if that's, if he's, I don't think he's going to go that route, but I, I really do feel like if he can nail it, if he can do it, I think it's gonna be cool. I, I, I understand why he's keeping some of the people he's keeping. You know, he said he's going to keep John Cena. He's keeping Viola Davis. He's keeping the guy who played uh vigilante. He said he's keeping blue beetle, which I think is really good. I think, I think as these like as Black Adam failed, Shazam failed, Flash failed. It's just him going like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so I think if Aquaman works, because the thing of it is, if you really think about it, Aquaman is the only film that DC has under the DC, FU, EU, whatever you want to call it, that busted a billion. Nobody else is like Wonder Woman came close, but didn't go over. So I think if Aquaman two does really really well for them i think they'll keep him as aquaman if it does well if it tanks like everything else they've put out i don't think they're going to keep him i think they i think they 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 wipe it clean and keep going that's just but that's my opinion my oh my general sentiment with how james gunn is going to he's going to do things is going to be really hard because remember he's inheriting a dc brand that is pretty much not getting anyone like, if you look at the numbers, because uh, uh, I know a lot of people don't want to believe this, but in most fandoms, there's always going to be more hard, more casuals than hardcore fans. That's, that's going to be most When it comes to film, general. yes. Yeah. When it comes to film, if you lose, like, the mom and dads, grandmas, uncles, aunts, the real casuals that are basically just, like, going out of the, and seeing a movie because it's, you know, it's a thing they want to do to hang out and, 
you're losing like the mom with like two kids. You go and take your kids to the movie theater because they got a good grade at home, like doing good grades in school. Dad taking out a daughter because you know he's just taking out his daughter to have some fun with her. The thing here, they've lost those people. You can tell it in their numbers. They've lost casuals. So, so they've already pissed off hardcore fans and how bad the material is. They don't have casuals. And then this is the result of seeing their numbers. And this is constant years of bad movies, repeatedly. Constant reboots, constant rumblings and hearings of no direction, constant rumblings of um, you know not knowing what to do with the universe, and all the bullshit happened with Zack Snyder's tenure to, between with Walter Amada and what happens now. And people have just gone and just given up. And then I told people, I don't really think it was James Gunn's video that sealed the 2023 fate of the movies. I think that was a part of it. But people had already been giving up on these movies anyway. In 2022, when Black Adam came out, Dwayne Johnson, the biggest movie star in the world, DC movie, couldn't even crack $400 million. People have already given up before. You can look back as early examples of this with um, Shazam. And I love Shazam, but I got to admit here, Shazam didn't make any money. And the way the media pointed that out, where they try to make it like, oh, it made some decent – no, Shazam kind of flopped by a, by a big stretch there, actually. Yeah, you know? D- DC has not had a financial win in the box office. Um, true win, I want to say, since Aquaman. Yeah, and then even before that, you're looking at – Aquaman was, there, was a really true win. Before that, you had Justice League. Guys, the Justice League movie, as hyped as that concept was for many years, that movie came out with – the Josh Whedon version and, and just did fuck all at the box office. It did like 600 million, which when yeah. it costs 250 to make, it doesn't equal profits. Oh, actually, it was 300 million based off their reshoots and stuff like that, too. So oh, you're okay. factoring in. Yeah. You're, it's people understand these movies have been making money. Like Aqu- Aquaman literally just was an exception to the rule. Everything else has been fizzling out. People have given up on these movies for a long time and it just keeps showing in the well, results. And it, it also doesn't help when you keep chugging in tons of money in your budget look at deadpool the first deadpool yeah. was made for under 60 million dollars i think made 700 million dollars <laughs> such god so much like money made. if you if 700 million dollars would have been nothing for a justice league movie but was all the thing for a deadpool movie and i think that's mm-hmm. where hollywood in general things are getting out of hand when it comes to that kind of budget you know look at john wick you know, mm-hmm. John Wick, the, those movies, they don't have big budgets and they make really, really good money. They've made four of them. They're talking, they made a show now. So I think that's where, in my opinion, like, like pull it back a little, you know, like, like the Batman probably had a solid budget, but like, it's a good story. Mm-hmm. People like Batman. And I know it sucks because I don't want Batman to become the cash cow, but it's also like, instead of like, uh, is this, look, Make a, make a Batman universe film, film universe, you know, Batman, Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin, mm-hmm. keep him in his own thing and let the superheroes do their thing. Um, that's, that's how I would do it, but that's, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but no, I think, I think that's the thing is that, yeah, th- these movies are just not, no one's doing anything different with the superhero genre. It's only when the soup, the movie's different. Cause look, Blue Beetle was enjoyable, but it's just Iron Man with, with the Mexican kid, you know, it really is. It's, it's, it's verbatim. The Iron Man movie It's verbatim. Every single movie we've seen up to this point, same thing with, um, you know, uh, all of them. They're just, they, they do the jokes. They build to this big, crazy action scene. That's world shattering. And mm-hmm. then 
is over. And it's like, no, look at look at some of these like Winter Soldiers, arguably Marvel's best movie. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not a world shattering event, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, like Shang-Chi wasn't necessarily a world shattering event. He was just fighting on the streets. Mm -hmm. And I think we've lost this ability to do street level stuff. Going back to John Wick, like or even Deadpool, like what was going to happen if Deadpool didn't succeed? He was going to lose his girlfriend and die. Mm -hmm. Like there's no world stakes there. And I think that's where trying to make the bigger, bigger thing. It's like, no, just make the better story, make the better story and give us personalized stakes that we care about. And then, you know, have, you could have your world shattering, you know, we don't get the Avengers without the four films leading up to it. Yeah. And I think that's where every film doesn't have to be this, the world is going to end and I have to stop it. You know, it, it can be defending your street. A daredevil movie of him just making sure Hell's Kitchen's clean is fine. It doesn't have to be anything beyond that. Hmm. that, that I think, I don't know where DC fans thought that you didn't need setup for payoff. When the animated universe that everyone says they love, that literally had this approach. Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, uh, all that, Batman Beyond, Set of Shock, all that stuff. So why can't the live-action movies do that, but the animated ones can? And people are going to say, but isn't it different between animation and live-action? No, 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 people are missing the point. The point is, is that it, it literally was done, and to say that you can't do it is ridiculous when th- the way that they did it and their approach to doing that, whether it was you know, conscious or not subconscious, is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it's live-action or if it's animated. That approach of setting things up with these characters individually, with all those episodes, all those villains – paid off for what you got. I just don't understand why can't yeah. they do that for this one? Because people kept saying, oh, we, we didn't need all this setup, and I like the different approaches Zack Snyder took or that one of us wanted him to take. That's the, that's the results you get. The results yeah. you got were that because you didn't do the setup. And I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I hate when people do that. It's like, well, no, we didn't need it. We don't want to copy Marvel. How do you copy Marvel when you're the one that did it first? Yeah. That would tell well, me that people are posers because they don't, they don't even know this stuff, dude. They don't even know anything. They just spout nonsense out of their brains. How can how would you be copying Marvel when Marvel themselves looked at what D- – I guarantee you they looked at what DC did with the animated universe. Kevin Feige knows his stuff to a certain extent. He's been on many projects. They know what's, they know how setup pays off. They know that. Yeah. And for fans to say we'd be copying someone – and even if you were, who gives a fuck if you were? It, yeah. it, it wouldn't have mattered. Look. Look, you know, I, I, we one one of our episodes of We Are the Batman. We pitched mm-hmm. like what we would have done with Phase One of DCEU, mm-hmm. and I was like, the second movie was Justice League, and he's like, how would you do that? I was like, they did it with Guardians, they did it with X Men. It can be done. You just right. have to tell a good story. X Men Two was considered one of the best super movies of all time at one point. That's how we were dry. And X Two is is pretty good. And X-Men, the first Brian Singer movies, balance out the characters pretty well. Are they all like the X-Men characters? Not really, but you saw that even if you have multiple characters in a movie, it can be done. The first Avengers movie does that. I just don't get why DC people don't see it this way. And I I, I think, and I just don't understand it. Like, what do you mean? You can't, you can have more characters in a movie. Yes. So all depends on how much time you give them. There's a reason why the bad examples don't work because they're just not a balance there. But when you're looking at movies like, yeah, I always propose to start off with a justice league movie. If you, Think you can't do setup for whatever stupid reason. Start off with a Justice League movie, which is what they were gonna do with Justice League Mortal with a uh, George something. I forgot his name. George Miller. 
And they were supposed to just branch off and do their own thing after that point and then come back together again for a Justice League 2. You could do that approach. I, I don't disagree with that approach. If you really can't do any setup, which is stupid. Well, you, and or you that. if you're if you're gonna do the setup, or if you're not gonna do the setup, take the time to get to know the characters. And that's my mm -hmm. one of my biggest gripes with Batman versus Superman mm -hmm. is that that movie is banking on the fact that you know these characters, even though those characters don't behave anything like the way we know them. So mm -hmm. why do I give two craps why this version of Batman and this version of Superman are fighting? I don't. And I don't believe for a second that they would actually fight because of how the way or how they act. And if they did fight, they would both kill each other. Mm -hmm. There, There's just so it doesn't there's no stakes. There's no investment. And you can create that. You create investment into our movies all the time. You can do that, but then you have to make sure the story's there and not try and set up five different movies like they were in that movie. Like there's no reason for Wonder Woman to be in that movie. There's no reason for Doomsday to be in that movie. There's no reason for Flash. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for any of that crap to be in there except you were doing Justice League decks. Mm -hmm. You could have easily... The, the 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 idea of Batman and Superman coming head to head for the first time and going through what they did works perfectly when you do it right. Because like you said, Bruce Tim did it with three ep three 25 minute episodes of the Superman cartoon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> perfectly. It is a perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? It's the world's finest. Yeah. It's the Bruce. Tim. Like there's a three episode arc that introduced Superman and Batman first meeting. And I'm like, you had the script. You had the template. How did you screw it up so bad? I just don't. Yeah, it's insane. It's a well, knowledge is that Zack Snyder is his corporate. Uh, you could say corporate greed. They didn't want to take the time to invest in the characters to get that big whatever Marvel payoff they were lo looking for. And we know that's what they were looking for. But they literally took every shortcut known to man. It's like that's the result you get. I can't feel no. bad when they literally screwed themselves from conception idea alone. That's yeah. that. I, 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 I can't feel bad for that. And I, I, I hope, and I hope James Gunn, James Gunn realizes that moving forward now, which is to get to whatever payoff you think you're going to get to it. You have to set up. It, it's, it's just the route, they have, the route they have to take, you know, and this thing yeah. is James, I know people are going to be mad at James Gunn for some ideas that he's going to do potentially with like certain writers, like Tom King is on some of the, projects but uh, all you can do is hope i mean they're literally on i I, th I think he even knows this too they're like they're kind of like on their last leg right now to grab the fans back well you know? and that's why i really feel like if you think about it mm -hmm. there is a year and a half between aquaman comes out and superman legacy comes out true and i think they're giving that time to let the bad taste wash out of everybody's mouth so mm -hmm. there is a clear distinction because Warner Brothers has said this movie is going to be our soft reboot. This movie is going to be our soft reboot. This movie is going to be our soft reboot. Mm -hmm. The Flash was supposed to be their soft reboot. And it, and you know, when James Gunn took over and changed everything, it wasn't. So I think that's why you're just putting everything out you had made, letting it just go out and hopefully make some money, even though nothing has so far, and mm -hmm. then give it a year and a half to wash clean. And then there's enough time that has passed. That when Superman Legacy comes out, everybody's palette will be clean and ready to re-embrace Superman the way they should be. Right. The only thing you get in 2024 from DC is Creature Commandos. You get that was yeah, his... TV and cartoon stuff. Like you have Creature yeah. Commandos coming out. Waller, I imagining yeah. is coming out. Joker 2 is not 
DC. Yeah, that's crazy, man. The only hits they've had is stuff outside of the DCU. That means the fans are like, I'm going to support anything you do that's not that piece of shit. That's literally <laughs> what they've been doing. And yeah. the Batman itself wasn't financially super profitable, but it at least showed, hey, they were like, I know this is not connected to that horse shit, and I'm glad. I'm going to watch this. Like, people are not stupid on that front. They know what they're going to spend their money on right before it even comes out. They know people would know that it's not that connected universe. And people will go support. I hope – and I hope those movies do well. I hope when Batman 2 comes out from Matt Reeves, it does well because it shows them, hey, if you do something good, it might not be financially profitable yet because you still have to regain this fan's trust. But people will show up. They'll show up for good storytelling, you know? Oh, yeah. Not to just wait and download it on Pirate Bay. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, we gotta wrap up here because I gotta go do something really quick for my, for my next one on one. But the last thing I'll ask you, man, is uh, any special shout outs you want to give to anyone in particular and anything else you want to say before we head out? Look, um, I'm really lucky, we are really lucky that the Black Cobra campaign has been doing as well as it has its first day. But mm -hmm. you know, stretch goals. But the thing of it is, is like this pays people for the work they've done. And if you can't contribute financially, share it, like it, follow it, talk about it. Like that's the big thing for me is, you know, for every 10 people that get eyes on it, one person may be able to financially support it, which is helpful, but we have to get a hundred people <laughs> to do that. So yeah, just share, share the campaign. Um, I think I'm pretty sure you have the link somewhere. Yes. Okay. Just click the link, go check it out. If you like it, cool. If you, you know, share it, talk about it. If you don't totally understand it's, 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 a, it, it's not everybody's thing. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions, you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. J Ninja. That's the letter J. Um, or you can find me in the Grok universe, Facebook page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash group slash Grok yes. comics. And, uh, hit me up at any of those locations and we can talk comics. We can talk DC, how yeah. crappy the Snyderverse is, how good my adventures <laughs> of Superman is. Right. We are the Batman is my podcast. It's or the podcast I do with Mike. It's it's everywhere as well. But yeah, just uh check out the, the Kickstarter. Let me know what you think and follow it, share it, enjoy it. Yeah, and I'll, the last thing I'll say to anyone is you know, I know a lot of you still love this stuff, just as the same way you first discovered it. And the best way for new stuff to get on a level that what we're DC and Marvel and the other universe that we talk about is word of mouth. People that when you do support the indie comics or universes like uh, Mr. Bills, that's successful. Talk about the stories. If you're backing the books, that's great. Financial support is amazing, but make sure you also read the books and talk about them because word of mouth is your biggest tool for success. Actually, you know, no one's going to know about cool. a great story unless the fans talk about it. And that's the only thing I can really levy to the fans is, if you have the money to back the books, back the books, read the books, and actually talk about them, please. Need more word of mouth for this to work. And we'll see you guys later. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend. 